Thank you for listening to Cinephiles Digest. My name is Matt, and I'm joined today by the lovely Tom. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, bud. Travis is also here today. Travis, Happy New Year. Hello, hello. We are recording on New Year's Eve 2017, sending this motherfucker into the dirt where it belongs, because mm. 2017 was an awful year, except for movies. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good year for movies. I don't know if you guys noticed. Uh, so this will be the last uh, podcast of 2017. Uh, this is episode 26. We are going to be discussing Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, as well as Call Me By Your Name. Uh, those will be our feature reviews. We'll get into some other stuff uh, towards the end of the show. Uh, we'll also be discussing the best films we saw in 2017 that were not released in 2017. So we'll be getting to that later. But Those uh, hidden gems. Yeah, the ones that we probably already talked about, but we'll talk about again. So what do you guys got going on for New Year's? Any big plans? Mm, going to a friend's party. Going to drink some champagne. And then barf. You're going to get lit? Uh, well, well, I don't barf when I have champagne. <laughs> <laughs> I was confused. Uh, yes to Travis, no to Matt. Okay. Yeah. See, I always I drink a lot on New Year's usually, and then the champagne comes, and then it just oh. like, fucks me up. <laughs> yeah, it's all bubbly and sweet. Probably, probably messes with whatever you had in there before. Yes, absolutely. Whiskey. Uh, what about you, Travis? What do you got going on? Uh, I'm planning on not doing much, um, but we'll see. I have uh, some relatives in town. Mm. I guess you could call them that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, adopted. Well, oh no, you Chelsea mean. and I aren't married yet, but. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, I, I'll probably leave it up to them just because they're the out-of-towners. Um, but if if everything goes according to my plan, we're just going to hang out here and get wasted and maybe play some board games. Right on. Yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any plans. Probably just drink and cry or something. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should go up to your rooftop by yourself. <laughs> After I've already been crying, just like tears streaming down my face. Just like just find a group up there around one of the fire pits. Go up there with a half empty bottle of scotch and just like <laughs> try to get a New Year's kiss from someone. <laughs> Some rando. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I might I might go check it out, but I don't really have any set plans. We'll, we'll see what happens, but might just try to watch movies and hang out. I don't know. Don't really feel like doing anything. Uh, so fun stuff. Uh, do you guys have a good Christmas? I did. Yeah. Besides driving around in the snow. Oh, what? That was the best part. No, dude, it freaks me out. Oh, we got a white Christmas. Well, You're yeah. not supposed to leave your house on Christmas. Well, I had four Christmases to attend. Oh, my God. <laughs> Chelsea and I's parents both are split up, so got to hit every house. You guys need to plan that better. Yeah. So what was this? Was this like two Christmas Eve, two Christmas Day, or like what was the breakdown Well, we pretty much did all my family stuff Christmas Eve and then Christmas morning, and then all of Christmas Day we were doing Chelsea's family stuff. Okay, so you hopped between her her parents' Christmases, basically, like... Yeah, but actually, I mean, the snow was actually, like, a perfect amount. It wasn't too bad to where, Mm. like, you couldn't drive in it, but it was still cool that we had a white Christmas. What a treat. Yeah. I didn't get a white Christmas. I was visiting my parents up north. Didn't have any snow. Bummer. But I had to I had, I had to work on Tuesday, so I had to drive 
home at like six o'clock on Christmas night, which sucks. Oh, like, that's I didn't really spend. <laughs> no. Yeah. And I was worried about the snow because like I don't drive very often. Uh, I was driving a car that does not belong to me and I've never driven in the snow before or ice and I live yeah. on a hill. So I didn't know what Seattle looked like. So I was a little worried, but it was totally fine. There was the roads weren't icy at all. Just go slow and don't be a dick. Well, now I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, are my those Christmas. The rules? <laughs> yeah. Those are, Them's the I rules. That's what I when I drive in the snow. <laughs> uh, my, my Christmas was pretty quiet. Just my parents, sister and nephew, aunt and uncle hmm. hung out, ate some ham, twice baked potatoes, mac wow. and cheese, Ooh. Hawaiian rolls. The works. Dude, this sounds, I kind of like uh, where you guys went with your Christmas your Christmas food. We always do ham. Usually mm. we do twice baked potatoes. I know, but mac and cheese. My mom makes a really good mac and cheese that I'd never had before. So I was like, oh, you should make what? that mac and cheese How soon. How does that happen? It's I like know. a new recipe <laughs> oh. she found. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a new recipe, yeah. Uh, and she's always sun. talking about Sorry, like, Matt, none for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, you're allergic to cheese, we think. <laughs> uh, so that was good. But yeah, it's nice and quiet. Good to chill, spend a couple days home. Any cool gifts? No, I tell my parents not to get me anything for Christmas so they can spend more on like my sister and nephew and stuff. So yeah. got some pants, some socks. My sister bought me some shoes. That's that's nice. all I got. <laughs> my dad bought me my tabs for 2018 and he got me a real That's football. actually a pretty uh, pretty valuable gift. I know. Tabs are so expensive in Washington now. <laughs> And a real football, huh? Yeah. Real With pigskin, a, huh? Made a football of pigskin. Kit. It's got like a little brush and what? wax for it. I don't know. I'm I'm legit now. <laughs> you guys want to go toss the ball? The a waxed, a waxed <laughs> yeah. football in freezing cold weather. It's a bonus episode. It's gonna be <laughs> lit. Yeah. Tossing the football. <laughs> we'll just wear our mi- we'll wear our microphones around our necks and just Oof. like have a chat. A couple of boys tossing the pigskin around. That'll be cool. All right. Well, anything else you guys want to talk about before we uh, dive into our first review here? No. Let's let's. Uh, why don't you welcome us to the jungle? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, as Tom said, it's time to enter the jungle. We're going to be talking about Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. We have a clip. Let's take a listen. You guys, that can't be good. There's no way that's good news. They're huge, white, scary, and stupid, and they eat people. No! They're close! My stomach's starting to bother me a little bit. All right, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle is a... What would you guys call this? Like a a modern reimagining of uh, the old Robin Williams flick? The beginning of the Jumanji universe. The beginning? Yeah. The beginning? They're starting it over, so... Oh, <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> we'll get we'll get into it. But uh, Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. Plot synopsis reads: Four teenagers discover an old video game console and are literally drawn into the game's jungle setting, becoming the adult avatars they choose. Film was directed by Jake Kasdan and stars Dwayne the Rock Johnson, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, Karen Gillan, Nat Wolf. Uh, who else we got here? Reese Darby. Bobby Cannavale, lots of people. Uh, going into this thing, I uh, was thinking it was going to be pretty shitty. 
Just yeah. based on well, based on two things. I think the the original Jumanji is not a good movie. Mm. Does not hold up. It's a classic. It's all nostalgia. <laughs> it's all nostalgia. I'm sure it is. But um, and two, the trailers just make it look really stupid. The trailers make it look bad. I don't know about you guys, but I am happy to say that Jumanji was pretty fun. It, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was very fun. I did not enjoy it. Oh shit! At all? Uh, it was. Oh, I mean, it was fine i guess mm. but overall not a good movie. was your theater laughing a little i mean i don't know i just feel like it ran out of steam pretty quick and the way the story played out was kind of lame yeah story's not great well and i feel like there wasn't <laughs> that many like memorable or like set pieces that stood out the original i thought had good set pieces and i loved how like the jumanji world came into the real world but them going into the jumanji world just wasn't as exciting to me Hmm. and like the villain was pointless and dumb and the villain was bad that and he's funny too and other stuff so it's kind of a kind of a bummer to not see him have some funnier parts yeah he was making everybody squirm though in my theater because all the bugs like crawling in and Uh, out of his ears and he was gross but... but it was hard to know like you know the whole mission is to save jumanji but it didn't really seem like it was doing too bad. Like, the village was fine. The animals are all doing their thing. I didn't really understand what the problem was with this guy. You know, there wasn't really a consequence to Jumanji for him being around. Yeah, well, I don't even really understand what his goal was. Was it literally just to stop them from breaking the curse? Like, what was he trying to do? It seemed like he was just trying to stop them. So well, didn't he, wouldn't... like, conquer Jumanji or something? He had all the power. Right. But, yeah, I mean, it didn't seem like he was really doing anything like. no no the villain was a, a a low point for sure it's it's not a great movie definitely not a great movie but the interplay between uh the four main characters i thought was pretty funny yeah and what i was most worried about going in was the fact that like these are avatars so it's supposed to be like teenagers in these bodies i thought that was gonna be really stupid but they actually did some pretty funny stuff with that like especially with uh with jack black's character because he's supposed yes. to be like the hot chick yeah so, so some funny. of his moments uh the rocks uh thing about like the smoldering intensity <laughs> like that was pretty funny <laughs> and travis you said there aren't any memorable moments kevin hart eating the cake that was pretty fucking funny i don't yeah. even remember <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding I saw this. Remember, it's just one of his weaknesses. And he oh, thinks it's right. bread. And oh, she's like, it's been like yeah, 10 years yeah, since yeah, I've yeah. had bread. So I forgot <laughs> what it tastes like. And it was a pound cake. And he thinks he's fine. He's like, he's like, am I still black? And then yeah. he's like, we're good. Then we're good, man. No problems. And then he just fucking explodes. <laughs> uh, lots of lots of little moments like that. Like, this, this isn't really something I'm going to, like, come back to probably. Yeah. Like, I might watch it again. Just, you know. It was a fun, enjoyable yeah. experience. But like. Well, it's getting good reviews, and you were talking about going into the movie, and I, at first, was not excited about a Jumanji reboot, just because I thought the original was good, you know, for what it was back in its day. Um, but then the trailer came out, and it actually looked kind of funny, you know, Jack Black playing it's the, the hot girl. teenage girl. Um, but then, yeah, and then it, it was getting good reviews from critics as well, so I was getting excited to go see it. And then when I saw it, I was just kind of let down because I mean, there were some funny moments in it, but I wasn't like laughing out loud Mm. during any point of it. And like I said before, it just like, there wasn't really anything memorable. Like I remember the first one being cool because it like the whole stampede and like the, the hunter, like hunting uh, Robin Williams. 
like there was none of that in this movie like I don't, there was no like cool set pieces like they could have done what like king kong did because king kong actually felt like there was like big memorable set pieces and this one had like none of them yeah i wasn't really concerned about like the set pieces for me the it, this movie is more of a comedy than an action but they movie. didn't like integrate the game that much into it i feel like because the other one there was like clues and riddles and there was like maybe like one or two of those in the new one but there wasn't much to make it really feel like a game yeah yeah i i, I do wish there was a little bit more of that but it was also the video game stuff was also like my least favorite aspect of it because they like the way they talk about video games, it's like they're trying to like dumb it down for just like the lowest common denominator and explain just the most basic video game concepts, you know? Yeah. Video games have been around for like 40 years. Like they go out of their way. Like someone says something about an NPC and they're like, what's that? He's mm. like, oh, that's a non-player character. They're, you know, just mm. like things like that. At, you know, maybe it's just coming well, from... Well, if you asked me what an NPC was, You I wouldn't have known what that you. means? No, and I play a lot <laughs> of video games. <laughs> He's not an RPG guy, you know. Yeah. Um, an RPG is when <laughs> hey, Madden Ultimate Team is technically an RPG. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, they're talking about like thinking out loud, like, "Well, this is a video game, right? So that means there's levels. Levels get harder as you go along." Just like them, like the exposition concerning video. See, games I actually kind of like some of that. I mean, sure, some of it was dumbed down, and you know. Yeah, but anyways, <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool how they brought in some of the aspects of video games because that's not really done very often in movies. What I like most about that was the three lives thing. Yeah, Everyone has three cool. lives and then like some of them are played for comedy. Like uh, The Rock is just like push off a cliff, you know, yeah. and loses his life. Uh, the cake scene. Yeah, <laughs> and and also like when... when people respawn they just like fall from the sky and like everyone's consistently falling on kevin hart like, yeah over and over again. Like, <laughs> um i will say like the as far as the the main four performances go i thought everyone was pretty good uh-huh. I, i'm usually not a huge kevin hart fan but i, I liked him quite a bit in he movie. was great uh, um jack black played the girl so well one thing that uh that my wife pointed out that i hadn't really thought of but is totally spot on is that he didn't just come off as like a flamboyant gay man. He seemed like a girl. Yeah. Right? Which I feel like might be a difficult line to tell yeah, if, totally. if you're not sure how to do it. Yeah, he he nailed that aspect of it. And come like the scene where Jack Black is trying to teach uh Karen Gillan's character how to flirt. Yes. Oh, Hilarious. Yeah, that was <laughs> I was laughing out loud through most of this movie. <laughs> this was one of my biggest surprises of the year, I think. Uh I, like I'm not gonna give it like a, a really good rating or anything but like my expectations were pretty low yeah and rock bottom it was it was entertaining <laughs> oh it was pretty entertaining the whole way through um i liked some of the action sequences i don't think they really like stood out i'm kind of getting to your point travis but i did enjoy i thought it was fun action sequences like when they're in the helicopter with uh which jonas brother is in this movie is that joe, joe jonas i think it's or? joe jonas Oh, uh, here I have. The what are the other ones' names? Here. Well, there's a Nick, isn't there? Oh, it might be Nick. Oh, Jonas. it was Nick. It was Nick Jonas. Um, he uh, man, he uh, grew up. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Looking pretty good, Nick yeah. Jonas. <laughs> he wasn't bad. Yeah, he was fine. I, I mean, thought he was only going to be in there for like five minutes, but 
yeah i, yeah, I didn't mind him he he definitely wasn't as good as the other the other main avatar characters but no. and then well it's kind of a spoiler but who who he ends up being in the real world his character like the oh, actor right. who plays him like at the end uh yeah that that stuff was okay the ending because it was just like they completed the quest game over life goes back to normal you know yeah anything that took place outside of jumanji was was painfully boring it wasn't great like i wasn't a big fan of uh like set establishing the plot with the teenagers i don't mind that nat wolf guy but uh the other who's nat wolf he's the main spencer okay the, the main guy um the other ones they were they were fine i thought the hot girl like she was funny like when she's like doing the stage selfie with the selfie stick and it's yeah. like just woke up like yeah that was kind of funny but the actress herself i thought was was not great but yeah she's there the kids are barely in it. like it's basically all the rock jack black like mm-hmm. they crush yeah. um <clears throat> i wish that there had been funnier stuff for uh for the rock because he's usually because he plays kind of the straight man character in this movie, but he's he's a pretty funny guy most of his other other stuff. I wish he'd had some more punchlines. Yeah, a little bit more would have been nice. I mean, I do like the idea of like here's the rock, but the person inside of him is like a, a coward, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so he's like doesn't have the confidence. Uh, uh, did you guys? Doesn't his character have no weaknesses? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Uh, did you guys recognize Ruby Roundhouse? Yeah, what is she from? Uh, she is the oh. sister in Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought you were talking about the. I thought you were talking about the the girl. The oh no no yeah no I do recognize her yeah okay she's uh not um Nebula is that her name yeah she's Nebula yeah she's also she's the main character in uh, Oculus did you guys ever see that mm. no yeah, it's a it's a horror movie she's the main character in that uh, I like her she's. That's the redhead? Yeah, yeah. She's really pretty, too. Mm-hmm. As you guys know, I would think for redheads, so <laughs> she killed. You gotta see Molly's game. Matt. Oh, dude, Jessica <laughs> Chastain, oh she's God. tops. <laughs> uh, but yeah, overall, pretty enjoyable. Anything else you guys want to say about Jumanji? No. It's not as good as the original. It's way better than the original, dude. No. Jumanji fucking sucks. I haven't seen it in It years, does not hold up. But that up. was, like, seriously one of my favorites growing up. Yeah, but watch it now. That, it, it does not hold and up Willy Wonka. <laughs> God. Willy Wonka holds up, for Child, sure. Childhood favorites. Uh, <sighs> Is that it? Yeah. Star ratings? Uh, what should I give this? It's going to be three and a half out of five for me. Yeah, that's what I gave it. Uh, I'll go two. Oh, two stars. Brutal. Yeah, man, you really... Critics, came down hard critics steered me in the wrong direction on this one. Thanks a lot. Mm. You guys should go see Jumanji. It's actually better than you might think. Just, just it's a great family show. movie, too. <laughs> yeah, I was worried because in my screening, there were a lot of kids and mm. they were like acting up a little bit in the beginning. So I was like, oh, Fussy. God, what a good I popcorn, though. Here? Admiral Theater. Yeah, their popcorn's pretty good. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> Those seats are garbage, though. Yeah. They're not comfy at yeah. all. The Groupon was a good deal, though. It was two drinks and a popcorn and two tickets for like less than 20 bucks. Deals. Uh, so I was originally trying to see Call Me By Your Name. And I went, uh, I was with my girlfriend and we go to buy our tickets. And there are only two seats in the entire theater left. The very front row far right seat and the second row far left seat. 
So she was like, well, should we just get these tickets? I was like, no, I don't want to get these tickets. One, I don't want to sit next to you. Two, I don't want to be in the front row far off to the right. Wait, did you just like, say no one wants to sit next to you? No, I said I want to sit next to I wanted one, to sit next to her. No one wants to sit next to you. I can't put someone else through that. <laughs> Two, we're not going to see this movie. First of all, how dare you? <laughs> so we bailed, and then I was like, you want to go see Jumanji with me instead? Yeah. And she was like, oh, fine. <laughs> she actually enjoyed it quite a bit, too, though. So That's good. It worked out. All right, let's move on to our next review. We're going to be talking about Call Me By Your Name. We got another clip. Let's listen in. So World War II, huh? Oh, no, this is World War I. Oh. You have to be at least 80 years old to have known any of them. Oh. I never even heard of the Battle of Piave. The Battle of Piave is one of the most lethal battles in World War I. 170,000 people die. Is there anything you don't know? I know nothing, Oliver. Well, you seem to know more than anybody else around here. Well, if you only knew how little I know about the things that matter. What things that matter? You know what things. Okay, Call Me By Your Name is directed by Luca uh, Guadagnino. 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 Thanks, Travis. Uh, La hype behind this movie. Critics are just creaming over this thing. Oh, yeah. Peaches and cream. Peaches and cream. (laughs) Uh, We should say, just Travis and I saw this one, so Tom doesn't get that joke. That's an inside joke. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've heard the song, so kind of an outside joke too yeah can you use that <laughs> One, 112 peaches oh yeah <laughs> intro music baby uh plot synopsis on this reads in northern italy in 1983 17 year old elio begins a relationship with visiting oliver his father's research assistant with whom he bonds over his emerging sexuality their jewish heritage and the beguiling italian landscape mm. Film stars Army Hammer, Timothy Calamay, Michael Stolbarg, uh, Travis. <laughs> what did you think about Call Me By Your Name? Travis. Did it live up to the hype? <laughs> uh, it sure did. I loved it. Yeah? Uh, it was a very believable relationship between the two. And it didn't stick out as like a gay relationship, which I feel like some movies struggle with that. You know, it's like... I know I'm watching a movie about two gay characters, and I hope I don't offend anyone by talking about this movie when I do talk. <laughs> Sometimes I'm, you know, <laughs> no, choice you're, of words. We're on I, the right track. I get where I get where you're going but, with that. Yeah, I mean, like it actually, it just felt natural and like believable. Right, and like it doesn't like some movies with a less like nuanced touch mm. would be like. Did you guys know these guys are gay? Want to see these two boys make out? You know, it's just right. like, and it never felt awkward or weird for me. Like I was just totally into it the whole time the movie's beautiful it's about a beautiful relationship uh it gets pretty deep towards the end and like everything just like pays off very well uh the last shot is amazing oh my god it's really good it's Hmm. one of the best of the year i i was crying Hmm. for like the entire like the last 10 minutes of the movie i was crying yeah (laughs) uh yeah it's a very 
beautiful film in in many ways uh it looks gorgeous and part of that is the setting it is this like picturesque landscape like them riding their bikes through this like city there's like yeah no cars really everything is old and beautiful everyone's so friendly um and what i really appreciated in the moment while i was watching it i don't think i really appreciated the movie's pace like it really really takes its time and spends a lot of time building up this relationship between the two of them because it's the movie's like over halfway over before they really like actually like the sparks fly like a lot of it is just like misinterpreting signs and like kind of a sexual tension but also with like the the 17 year old character elio him not really understanding like him coming to terms with his own sexuality because i think this is the first time he's like feeling these urges and he's also like sleeping with girls and hanging out with girls his own age so it's right. like his him just kind of his sexual awakening or whatever the movie really takes its time with that yeah um and then ultimately i think it's that's why the movie is so successful because in the moment i was a little bored because the way the plot progresses, it, it just kind of meanders, you know, like the scenes, a lot of them don't really have any uh, significance to the story. It's literally just about character development and seeing how these two young men like interact with each other, interact with the family. Um, by the end of it, like I was blown away, like it put everything into perspective for me and I fucking like i'm going through some things in my personal life right now and then like when like the emotional like climax of the movie hit i just was sobbing like tears yeah. streaming down my face like it really had an impact on me <laughs> yeah no it's really well done and it is a long movie it's like two hours and 12 minutes or so and yeah. i was a little worried about that going in just knowing it's going to be like a straight up drama for that long hmm. um but I mean, it totally works. And like you said, like it's deliberately paced for a reason. And like they, the two characters are almost like teasing each other, but without being like in your face about it. Like there's just like little touches and uh, like Army Hammer's character tries to play it off like he's not into, um, is it Elio? Yeah. Yeah. Oliver and Elio. Yeah. So he tries to play it off like he's not into him, even though he is. And then there's also like this other sort of conflict because there's such a age difference and like they don't necessarily want to like come out, you know, so everyone knows what's going on. So they like play with that and just, like stretch it out as far as possible, but it totally pays off in the end. And yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What did you think of Army Hammer's performance? Because he was probably, I wouldn't say it was bad, but he felt like not the, the perfect actor for this role. I thought he was good. I thought it was believable. He's supposed to be 26, and Army Hammer's like 35 years old. Yeah, well, I, th I thought he was supposed to be 24, and then... <laughs> That's even <laughs> worse. Chalamet is He's 17. 17. Yeah. He's 17. But what I'm saying is Army Hammer does not look like Oh, it's Timothy? No, he doesn't look like he's 24. No. So that... that it I don't know. It made it feel a little bit... But I didn't really think about the age difference while I was watching it. Early on, I did. Once I settled into it, I stopped thinking about it. But it felt a little gross just because... Like, I know Timothy Calame is not actually 17. Yeah. You know, whatever. But still, like, seeing this 
boy who's supposed to be a boy and then seeing this like hunk of a man who he is very attractive but he looks like he's you know 33 years old or whatever yeah you know um and i don't know i just feel like he doesn't really have the range that timothy calamay does like i loved his performance in this movie i thought he was fantastic yeah well i mean he has more to do too as far as like big scenes yeah totally um because army hammer's character almost plays it off like like he was super into it and he did love Elio, um, but I feel like he doesn't really show his emotion as much on screen as Elio is supposed to. Right, right. Because when they're apart, because he kind of comes off like he he isn't really phased by it as much, and you know he's kind of like the the tough guy or like the dominant in the relationship. Um, but I don't know. I just thought all of that worked well, like them just like playing off each other because they're you know they're playing different parts of the relationship. Yeah, totally. And uh, let me run this past you. So there has been some uh, criticism of this movie in like the Twitter sphere of people being like, why would I want to watch a movie about a bunch of rich white people in Europe? Like, you know, because it's about an affluent family who live on this gorgeous property in northern Italy, you know, and there's just like like they're intellectuals, you know, it's the exact opposite of Moonlight. Right. It's about the same kind of stuff, but it's like completely different ends of the spectrum Mm. right but what what makes the movie matter is not who the film is about it's what the film is trying to say and not to like uh diminish like what moonlight is doing like i think that's a really important film but i think at at its core it's about you know repressed sexuality and coming to terms with your own sexuality and your the love and the passion you feel and how it may be uh, kind of goes against your your place in life, you know? Because the film is set in the 80s, and it, it definitely was not as common then for, yeah. you know, this type of relationship to exist. So that's part of the reason why they kind of have to keep it secret, you know? Right. Uh, but, I, yeah, definitely uh, to that point, like, I have had that issue with some movies as far as just like, like I kind of had that problem with, uh, with Noah Baumbach's work as far as just like, right. There's another movie about rich New Yorkers, you know, like, yeah. Uh, and maybe if this movie wasn't as good, maybe I would feel that way about it. But like, I wasn't thinking about like, God, who cares? Like, Oh, you're sad. Go buy a car or something. You fucking dweeb. Like, you know, like, (laughs) I mean, it could have race or like status doesn't really play into this movie. No, at all. no, uh, right. Like it's all about the relationship, and you know him dealing with his. Well, them both dealing with their sexuality, I guess, and then also like them having. Well, at least one of them has a supportive parent, which is very rare in this kind of scenario, and even in film itself, like you don't ever see that. It's always the opposite. You, like the, the the end scene like plays into all that, but yeah, I don't totally. want to spoil it. Um, don't yeah. spoil it. I won't. <laughs> but before we go away from that end scene, like uh, there is a conversation that happens between Elio and his father, and the, like that's where the waterworks started. And yeah. then, like from there on, it was just like that might God. be like maybe not like the scene of the year, but like definitely like the conversation of the year. That might be like everything that was said in that scene was so poignant, and it brought together. Of like it was basically a summation of of the film's themes, but it didn't feel like that in the moment, you know. Because when you look back on it, you're like, okay, well, this whole movie happened, and then here comes the dad trying to like bring everything together and say this is what this was about. Yeah, it kind that's kind of what it's doing, but it does not feel that way. Like it has such 
heavy emotional impact. It seals the deal, though. It feels so <laughs> organic, <laughs> too. Like Te- Teetering on a 4.5 after that scene, just... I was the same. Stars. I was the same <laughs> way, the dude. Way. Same <laughs> way. Um, and yeah, again, without getting into spoilers, like, the very end of the movie... Uh, it bleeds into the credits, hmm. so like the final scene is is playing as the credits are rolling, and it's That's just interesting. like, yeah, it was done. It was so cool. Like you don't usually see that happen, but hmm. yeah, man, I'm excited now. I think I should see this tomorrow. I really do think, and especially I think Sarah would appreciate it a lot oh, too. Yeah, she's so if you guys see it together, I mean, I was excited for it because just of all the hype and yeah. But like, I haven't really loved any of this guy's previous work. Like, a, a bigger splash is okay. Uh, I think it's called a big love or the big love or something like that. Or no, so. I am love. I am love, uh, which is better than a bigger splash, but still like both movies didn't like wow me, but this one actually mm. wowed me. Yes. Absolutely. And I was a little worried. Like it was just going to be overhyped, but it's, it's totally deserving. I didn't know it was that Timothy guy in this movie. Cause I was like, I've seen this dude everywhere. What else is he in besides Ladybird? No, that, well, that, I don't know. Or just oh, okay. But I just knew him from Ladybird, and I was like, what? He's really good in both he was movies. Great I in mean, that he movie, nails but... his character and performance. <laughs> Since when is he the next superstar? Yeah, <laughs> uh, he is in, in Interstellar. Oh. I think he plays like the the younger uh, Casey Affleck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The youngest. Wait, man. the younger Casey Affleck isn't Casey Affleck in in Interstellar? thought he is is he i'm pretty sure isn't huh? he uh the brother of who's the daughter <laughs> who's jessica chastain is that the daughter of and casey affleck Matthew is McConaughey? The, yeah. The... yeah casey affleck's the brother right yeah is yeah. he really why don't i remember him because his role's not very prominent prominent i guess yeah yeah he's timothy calamay has actually got pretty high billing Oh, never mind. It's not by. It's like by order of a uh, last name appearance. Did you know Ellen Bernstein plays uh, the older version of, of Murph, Jessica Chastain's character? Oh, in yeah, in Interstellar. I yeah, mean, I had forgotten that. Uh, John Lithgow. I forgot he was in this shit. I don't see Casey Affleck in here anywhere. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> uh, hang on, I'll find him. Michael Caine. Oh yeah, he is. Fine, you guys are right. Maybe I should watch this shit tonight. I mean, I am looking for a good cry. This will this will give it to me. Just watch Coco again. Coco. <laughs> I was thinking, because uh, Sarah hasn't seen Coco either. Maybe we should do a double feature. Call me by your name, Coco. Sounds Ooh. like a good. Movie. Oh man, that sounds like a man, bring the cleaner. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, yeah, I mean, movie totally lives up to the hype. I was a little concerned in the moment just because I, I felt myself losing. Not I was always engaged. I was just like, why is everybody so obsessed with this movie? And right. then at the end, like it brought everything together. It, mm. it hit me. And then I was I was blown away by the movie. Their scenes together are so good, too. And I mean, normally I wouldn't be into watching, you know, something like that. But I was totally just like sucked in like them hanging out. Like, you know, in that little, like, grassy field area. And then when they're out dancing with their friends and Army Hammer's, you know, on the floor, just, like, having a great time. And uh, Elio is just sitting back, kind of reserved, wants to get into it, but doesn't really. And then eventually he feels like he kind of has to. And 
good stuff. Good music too. Mm-hmm. I was that's music. I was just going to bring that up. So uh, the music in the film, like the actual like uh, songs with lyrics, those songs are all by uh, Sufjan Stevens. Ooh. Oh, I, I think. Oh, that's right. I yeah. think two of them are originals because, like, in the opening credits, which I also thought were really good. Yeah. Um. It, it, it says and it's like and and the names of two songs by Sufjan Stevens. So I think maybe he wrote two originals, but like the combination. Of those like montage scenes with that those songs playing, and it also like those specific scenes like do some cool things visually. Where it's like mm. there's one part where one of the songs is playing, where they're like in a car and it's just like going down the road, and you see the forest and the song is playing, and like the lyrical content of those songs just like also made me want to cry, you know, because the music yeah. is so beautiful. Oh, man. Like it was top notch. Sufjan, he'll get to you every time. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so I did like that. Um, yeah, what else I mean, I want to go see this again. Like, uh, right after I saw... I saw Darkest Hour and this, and I was more excited for Darkest Hour. And, I mean, this is a way better movie. And did I, they play uh, The Sadist Nation? No. <laughs> <laughs> I came home and I was like, Chelsea, you need to go see this, and I'll go see it again with you. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm ready to go watch them again. It's good wow. stuff. It's beautiful. I it's made a be three five stars. I can already tell. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, uh, I asked my friend Hannah if she wanted to go see this, and she was she responded. She was like, "Ha ha ha! No, that movie looks gay." Oh my god! <laughs> she was making a joke, yeah. but it made it made me laugh because it's like, yeah. Duh. <laughs> um, and I will say, like, just to like really hit home the fact, like, how much this movie impacted me emotionally. Like when I got home. This movie made me really want to smoke a cigarette because they're just like constantly smoking. So I was outside my apartment, headphones on, smoking a cigarette, listening to uh, a song called Something by Julian Baker and just like listening to that song and also just like putting it in the context of like the movie I just seen. I was just like crying and smoking in front of my building, like trying to wipe away tears. Like, oh God, nobody look. I was I'm, now I'm starting thing. to get in- intimidated by the movie. For like, <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> for like two hours after I saw the movie, Remember, I was just like, he cried during Lego Batman. So <laughs> you'll be fine. I said I almost no, cried I during Lego Batman. You'll never live the almost cry. <laughs> Dude, it was so sad. <laughs> uh, okay, anything else you want to talk about on Call Me by Your Name? No. Go see it. Definitely. Tom, go see it. Cool, I will. Yeah. Sorry, Annie. Five. Five out of five, baby. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, those are our featured reviews. Uh, next, we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time uh, talking about the best films we saw in 2017 that were not released in 2017. So some of these will probably be movies that, probably most of these will be movies that we, we've talked about on the podcast, either at length or not. But these are... Mm-hmm. I guess they don't necessarily have to be like in your top films of all time. Although I, I think maybe a couple of the movies we'll talk about can that can be said about them. But yeah. this is just like our next episode is going to be our 2017 blowout. So we don't mm-hmm. want to get into any of the of those topics. But I think this is just reaffirming: if you haven't seen these movies, these are our highest recommendations, and you should seek them out first. <laughs> yeah. So. I feel like we can just kind of go in a circle and just talk about a movie that we really liked this year that, you know, we we caught up with or whatever the case may be. Um, And the one that I'll start with 
is one that I talked about relatively recently. I don't remember if you were on the show or not, Travis, but uh, Wendy and Lucy. Oh, yeah. Uh, with uh, Michelle Williams. It's the sad movie about her dog. Like, Oh, yeah. Again, that's another movie that just, like, fucked me up emotionally and is just, like, so depressing but also beautiful and, and, and tough to watch. Like, watching her go through this experience and all the really hard choices she has to make and also her performance michelle williams is just yeah i mean she's one of the best actresses currently working as far as i'm concerned so uh that movie blew me away like i i really hit me on an emotional level that ending i will never forget the ending of that movie i'm not going to spoil it but i think travis you can back this up like yeah that's an emotionally devastating ending for sure definitely and just the way it's shot like it just like it just feels so like it just i don't know yeah like it just fits the movie so well like it just you can you just know that person like you've seen them on the side of the road or something and like you just get to see that story play out for 90 minutes and it's such a small story it's such a small movie but it it's the word i would use is like intimate you know like the stakes uh are relatively low but for her like she's in like a dire situation you know so right. it's just like again very small movie, but I don't feel like that takes anything away from its its uh, emotional impact, and I I, I well, yeah, adore and for, it for how low budget it is, and for how many like non actors there are in it. Like it's it just like grabs you and keeps your attention the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, very high recommendation from me. I would probably say it's in my like top 100 of all time i don't know where it would fall but i best kelly reichert movie huge it's the only <laughs> one i've seen i oh, think okay. yeah yeah i do want to see she did certain women right she's done a bunch of stuff i might pick yeah. up that criterion uh but yeah that's my first one hmm. tom you want to go next sure um i had something pulled up here this guy's not even ready <laughs> <laughs> oh well i mean this one's not going to be a stranger to most people but alien was a first time watch for me Oh yeah, and I, I about that. loved it. <laughs> I love that movie. Uh, I want to rewatch it sometime soon. It just had such great atmosphere. It it had such a nice blend of sci-fi versus horror. I mean, it's a classic. There's not much more to say about it. But um, also, Sigourney Weaver is just a total badass in that film. Yeah. Also, some of the most like striking and like immediately recognizable like set design yeah like i really love their interpretation of like a space station yeah it felt like ahead of its time um mm -hmm. and yeah, also it was made in the 70s right yeah late Doesn't 70s like it, <laughs> no it feels distinctly uh well it just it feels distinct from other science fiction settings right it doesn't feel like 2001 or something it also it doesn't feel dated like i think 2001 is a good comparison because that movie maybe certain elements of it feel dated like the dawn of man scene just like you know the monkey costumes like they look good and it's interesting mm -hmm. but you can tell there's humans in yeah, yeah yeah did i have i ever told the story on the podcast about how i convinced tom i convinced you and greg <laughs> Or was it just Greg? Like, were you convinced too? Or that they're real so monkeys? I was so confused. I don't think I. Can... I think I convinced Greg, but Tom was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> Have you heard this story, no. Travis? So we got. Uh, I think this was was this after my birthday? It like was two at, years ago. I don't know. We had been out late. We watched it at Greg's place. Yeah, um, we watched 2001 after a night of like drinking. Yeah, we didn't get very. We didn't get very far. We did not get very far. <laughs> okay. in the movie. We all fell asleep, but. Uh, we were all really high, and 
during the dawn of man scene i convinced uh greg uh that (laughs) it was (laughs) that it was actually so like you can tell they're not real monkeys but i was like so stanley kubrick he put monkey costumes on real monkeys so you think they're actually people but they are really monkeys and greg was like what no fucking way tom was like oh my god that's crazy And then I was, and then he was like, "Wait, are you serious?" And I was like, "No, dude, I'm fucking joking." They don't call Kubrick a master. <laughs> but he them. like totally bought it, and I was like, "Dude, Greg, no, of course they're not fucking <laughs> monkeys in monkey costumes, that you is dummy." Awesome. Uh, but anyway, Alien. It's, it's a great movie. Uh, My turn. Well, I was just gonna ask Tom real quick. Have you seen like Aliens or Alien Three? Like, yeah. So I watched Aliens um, right after it. Oh, in anticipation I for yeah, I for uh, Covenant, Covenant, and I think I rewatched Prometheus too. The only things I didn't see were Alien Three and Alien Resurrection. Alien Resurrection, Alien Resurrection bad. is so bad. Yeah, it's garbage. Um, Aliens was a lot of fun too, but Alien is the superior film. Absolutely Definitely. agree. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's way more up my alley with the uh, sort of the isolation and the smaller cast well, and aliens the... is more of an action movie yeah aliens is total ac- it's it's like it is it's an action movie yeah. like it's, it's... it's a pretty far cry from the from the first one but it was like significantly later wasn't it what aliens like the time no no, no i mean it came it out like years afterwards like not too many like six six or seven years later i mm-hmm. think aliens came out in 85 i think 86 86 and alien was 79, 79. i think yeah. yeah so seven years but anyway yeah that was uh that was the first one cool. for me cool hand luke yeah tom's recommendation man uh, just a great story. Beautiful. I haven't seen it since high school. I should rewatch it. Uh, there's a lot of... I feel like it's h- ahead of its time. We could probably say this about a lot of classic movies, but mm. just like some of the stuff it deals with, like there's some like homoerotic tones in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just... I don't know. It's just a great story, and it definitely holds up as a classic. Paul Newman is great as Cool Hand Luke. He's so freaking charismatic. That Dreamy. Guy. McDreamy. <laughs> Seriously. I need to, I still need to see that. I, I I think I would really like it. It's just, it's one that I've always been like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it another time. You know, I always. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt about it watch, too. You know? But it's, yeah, it's, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Definitely cool. holds up. Mm. Uh, next one I would bring up is Bug, the William Friedkin film. Uh, yeah. Did you watch that this year? Yeah. Yeah. It's on my list. It's under your skin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was pretty early on in the year, I think. But yeah, mm. that movie still has stuck with me. Like it's, it's a mostly it's it almost feels like a like a play because most of it is contained to this like hotel room, and it's just yeah. like you don't really know what's going. Well, it's on. based on a play, right? It is. Yeah, yeah it was adapted. It's a uh, Tracy Letts. Tracy Letts, uh, which I think he did the screenplay for Bug too. Um, yeah, it's just like fucking gross, and Michael Shannon is like it's one Ooh. of his best performances. It's just like, and it goes like crazy by the end of it. Like the climax of the movie is gnarly. I can't. Ah, man, I want to watch this. Yeah, and it's also one of those movies that doesn't give you everything as far as, like, what's going on. You kind of have to, like, fill in some pieces and, like, what's going on with Michael Shannon's character. Like, there's definitely, like, a a past with him and Mm -hmm. that he brings into the movie in the hotel room. But it's, 
Yeah, gnarly. And I feel like what makes Michael Shannon such a brilliant actor is that you feel, oh, excuse me, you feel that he like is carrying that past with him. Like he's inhabiting yeah. that character and you can like, you can see it in his eyes, like all the crazy shit he's been through. We could like, just talk about Michael Shannon for... We might as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's just run Actually, let's, let's run talk about career. Friedkin. Did you listen to... Uh, I guess there's some podcast that has directors that interview hey, other directors. I just directors. started listening to that. The director's cut? And Friedkin interviews... Um, uh, Darren Aronofsky oh, about shit. mother. Really? Yeah. And I guess he's like pretty hard on him. Friedkin is? Yeah. And he's like kind of calling him for some of his, <laughs> some of Aronofsky's more obscure, like whatever you want to, however you feel about it from the film where he's just like, so what was this movie about? <laughs> and Aronofsky, and I'm, all, I'm saying all this secondhand cause I didn't listen to it. Uh, Sarah did, but He's like, well, you know, it's an allegory for global warming. He's like, so what? Am I supposed to like feel like voting after seeing it? Or so? I guess he was just kind of an old prick to him. Huh. Well, he's <laughs> William Friedkin's pretty cocky. Is he? Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, but he's they both old, they too. both are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If we're yeah. being real, that anyway, really that's interesting. true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, what is the premise that it's two different directors, like one director so they interviewing screen another? It at like Directors Guild has like a, a theater that they do screenings at, and so they'll screen a movie, and then another person, part of the DGA, will interview the director of whoever film they screen. So, like, uh, who was it? Ryan Johnson interviews Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread. Like that's one of mm. them. Uh, Laws is it Laws Berman? Is that his name? Baz Luhrmann. Baz yeah. Luhrmann. Laz Berman. He interviews... Uh, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. Guillermo. G-Delty. G-Delty. Shape of Water. This Laz sounds like my Berman. new favorite podcast. Yeah, what's it called? The Director's the Guild? Director's the Director's Cut. The Director's Cut. I just started listening to it last week, and I'm playing through some of the old ones. Yeah. But yeah, it's good. It's only like half hour episodes too. Oh, perfect. I'll yeah. just blast yeah. through it. Once I finish up the last uh, 28 hours of Giant Bombs year-end coverage, maybe yeah. I'll start Director's Cut. Um, yeah, that does sound cool. I should I should listen to that. Yeah, that sounds good. Last Berman. Last Berman, my favorite director. So I will uh, keep this train rolling with Sorcerer, directed by Hell William Friedkin. Yeah. Uh, that was a Travis recommendation. That movie's really cool. I want to see it again. Um, yeah, same. It just has incredible tension. It's so just on the edge the whole time. All the characters feel so desperate and <laughs> so deranged. And then the places it goes at the end where he's getting super fucked up. It's beautiful. It's hypnotic. The yeah. score is incredible. It just like yeah. totally fits the movie perfectly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, some of the set pieces are just like blow my fucking mind. That... I can't believe the truck on the bridge, like what they were able God. to do. That's like one of the best action sequences ever, yeah. as far as like practical yeah. sets go, and some Mad Max level so shit, intense. Dude. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I watched that one not this year. I watched it the year mm-hmm. before, but yeah, it is an old movie, but it it's and it's, still got its hooks. It's in better people. than The Wages of Fear. I've watched The Wages of Fear twice now to make sure that that is a correct statement and it is <laughs> what's the wages of fear it's the same movie basically but older oh interesting because there's a book called the wages of fear so that was made into a movie back in like the 50s oh and then okay friedkin 
did based another movie off the book, but called it Sorcerer instead. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, that's a solid pick. Very solid. Oh, my turn. Yep. Paris, Texas. Ah, I still need to. I still yeah, need to catch I up. It might be in my up. top ten films of all time. Oh, fuck like me. it is. I just remember you saying it was the most beautiful film you'd ever seen. Yeah, like, like visually shot. Yeah, the scenery, like the the colors in it, like the like the just the landscape shots. Like there's like this shot at the gas station where like the skylines in the background and it's like green, but it just looks incredible. And like mm-hmm. them just like driving down the street, like. How, do, how does one watch this film? Is it streaming somewhere, or do you just it's have to on, buy it? It's on Filmstruck, It might probably. be on Netflix. But Paris, it, Texas, isn't it? It was at one point. I know that. Uh, don't we both own the Criterion? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but I think I bought it in the last like round of Criterions. But mm-hmm. yeah, maybe me and you can watch it, Tom, because mm-hmm. I've been dying to catch up with that There's one. like a, a backstory of the main character who's Harry Dean Stanton that's never really explained, but you kind of get hints of it throughout the movie. But it's basically about this guy who abandoned his kid and his wife and now he's trying to reconnect with them but like the opening scene is him just like walking through the desert and he's super fucking weird like when he like meets up with his brother like he doesn't even like have a conversation with him until like you know 20 or 30 minutes into the movie like it's yeah it's it's incredible though like there's like a conversation towards the end of the movie between him and his wife where he basically like is almost apologizing to her and just like talking about life and like where he came from and like why he made that decision and it's awesome. Hmm. Yeah, powerful stuff. But yeah, visually it's incredible. Tight. Uh I'm going through my list here. Uh there's really not a ton in here. I'm struggling to find another one that like really blew me away. I mean, I guess heat, like heat was pretty dope, but I don't know. It's no, I finally caught up with it, and it is fucking <laughs> sweet, but it's not one of my all-time favorites or anything. Um, let me see if I can find a different one to talk about. Oh, shit, I'm running out. Coming up on the end of the list. Saw 6, definitely not. <laughs> the Room, definitely not. <laughs> Wendy and Lucy, I already talked about. Yeah, that's... That's Sick. basically it. There's really not a ton for me that I... I mean, I saw a ton of great movies this Crash year. Crash movies. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only other one on here I guess I'll talk about. Um, the Eyes of My Mother. You guys remember when I talked about that uh, one? Yeah. That's still, a, it's a recent one, it. but didn't come out this year. Uh, that movie really affected me. Like, I've got that movie and Raw just associated in my brain because I think it's a female lead character for both of them and they're both mm-hmm. kind of disturbing and violent. Yeah, yeah. I, that's a fair, <laughs> it's a fair comparison. You should watch Raw first though because... You should, yeah. It's on it Netflix. Could be eligible so. for your uh, end of the year list. Yeah, I don't... Oh, it's gotta be a night when Sarah's out of the house. Oh. It is gross, but I mean, it's feminist film. She might be able to get down with that. It's fucking gross though. Nah. Yeah, there's a couple gnarly parts. (laughs) Oh my god! Uh, But yeah, the eyes of my mother. Like it's short. It's like 80 minutes. It's black and white. It's a foreign film, so it's subtitled. But God, that movie is gnarly. Like it it goes some places. Uh, Mm. Really intense. Uh, You don't really know where the movie's going, and then by the climax of it, you're just like, God damn, that's a movie. (laughs) Uh, I think it might still be streaming on Netflix. So I eyes of my mother. Really, that came out. Last year? I think it came out in 2016. Uh, I think I saw it on Netflix. I think that's where I saw oh, it. Okay. It was streaming somewhere. I streamed it I, I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. So I talked about that one, but 
that's really all I got. I nothing mm. else really. Uh... I made a list of five. All right. Well, so I've done three. Tom, Tom what do you, you got? Any, any uh, more? Yeah, I've got a few that I don't feel super strongly about. I'll probably just pick one. Sure. Um, which would be. Uh, where was it? Not safe. Oh, God. not safe! Come on, Killing hey, Travis. actually, I don't know. What, that's not on my list. Oh, let the oh, right God. one in. I'll probably. Oh, oh yeah, I, I would pick that as my final of this selection. It was just so uh, bizarre <laughs> and. and cold and distant i mean the setting just but makes it feel cool well. it is beautiful the story is so weird and unique for a vampire story totally um it's the anti-twilight it is the anti-twilight <laughs> it really is i don't know I, I i didn't like go crazy for the movie uh or really like it's need so to see it again of, like, but it's uh, greatness though like the end i don't know if you know this but like when they're you know, they're in the train car. Yeah. And he's in the spoilers for Let the Right One In if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. But like they're in the train car and he's in the little or she's in the chest mm-hmm. and she's like they're doing Morse code to each other mm-hmm. and they like tap like kiss to each other. Oh, pretty cute. That is I mean, pretty cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it <laughs> has this weird like it, it's a combination of so many things. You've got the, the whole vampire element, which is the most obvious, but then yeah. you also have coming of age stuff you've got the little romantic relationship between the two of them the bully revenge yeah aspect of it yeah um i just it's just a striking movie yeah and i like how like there's certain things that happen in the movie that aren't really explained and they could kind of like throw you off guard but like you can put context around it and you know make sense of it and i just the thing i like most about it is it's it's ironic like it's it's a happy like love story but at the same time like it's a tragedy because you know Mm -hmm. uh what's his name oscar is gonna like basically follow the same path as the previous caretaker Mm -hmm. which is shitty but i mean that's like all he has and he loves her so Mm -hmm. he's gonna go along with it but eventually you know he's gonna have the same fate as her other caretaker you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Could she not make him a vampire? I thought that was part of the story, too. I don't remember. I mean, I guess she could, but they haven't. <laughs> never really thought about that. I thought that was part of the story. <laughs> what? I don't remember. It's it definitely doesn't go into that, but I guess that's an option. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, uh, in the in the pantheon of vampire movies, that's a must watch. Yeah, yeah, it's at the top. Totes, my goats. Uh, next one on my list, Safe is a great pick. That should have been on my list. I'm not gonna talk about it, but it w- don't belabor it. It would be. <laughs> yeah, we know. We top know. five. Safe, worthy. Yeah, that's the cream dream supreme. Uh, Ghost Dog. <laughs> Great movie. Ghost Dog, the fucking uh, Don't Jarmish. tell me. Gosh, don't tell Sorry. me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Who was it? Laz Berman. Yeah. Another classic last film. Uh, Jim Jarmusch. Oh. I, when did you see that? I don't remember you seeing I watched that. it. I actually watched it on the plane on the way home from Dominican Republic. Oh, did you yeah. talk about it? Yeah. I don't, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. It's that good, huh? Not yeah, as good I as a ghost it. dog's it's, purpose. It's my, <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite Jim Jarmusch movie, even though I've only seen a couple of them. Uh, 
I just love movies where a character lives by a code and he lives by the, <laughs> oh, you know, the way of the samurai. Uh, Tombstone. It's kind of like a movie like Drive, but like, I guess. So that's why you like it. Now it comes yeah, out. But it's more so like, in a, you know, it's in Michigan, so it's kind of ghetto. Like you're in Detroit and it's just about this like black dude who kind of lives by himself, you know, lives by the code of the samurai. He like has like a messenger system with these pigeons and he like ends up there's some sort of conflict between him and like this like mob or gangster is it like or whatever a samurai version of shaft or some shit like uh i guess you could say that but it's not really like black exploitation at who all. is uh is ghost dog is it forrest whitaker yeah okay how's he in it he's good yeah does his wonky yeah. eye kill yeah <laughs> Best performance, <laughs> his wonky eye. Best performance by a non-human actor <laughs> goes to Forrest Whitaker's eye over the dog from a dog's purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah, okay, good movie. I, I want to catch up with that one. I haven't seen too many like Jarmusch films. I was so. gonna say I don't think I've seen a single one. Uh, what was the one that came out like a, a uh, year or so ago? Patterson. Patterson. Yeah, you never caught up with that one. No. I like Only Lovers Left Alive a lot. Mm. Talking vampire, like crucial vampire films. I would say that's that's up there. I like that one a lot. Yeah. I think that might be on my list. It's me, got Tom uh, Tom Hiddleston, uh, Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. It's good shit. That's fun. Those two both look like vampires. So. Just, Perfect. Yeah, they do. I have two more movies I want to talk about. Is yeah. that cool? Go for it. Okay. Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, yeah. Just a wacky, fun time. I love the music. love the way it's shot. Um, it's one of Brian De Palma's best movies, and yeah, it's a love story. I don't. It's 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 a super weird movie, but it just totally works. The first time I watched it, I was kind of on the fence about it. I didn't know what to think about it, but the second time, I just loved it. Go for it. Oh, uh, yeah. God, come on, bud. Taking a quick uh, beer cap intermission. <laughs> and then the last one I want to talk about is Stop Making Sense. Upside, oh, yeah. upside the Talking Heads documentary. Um, oh, dude, dude, how hard did you cream in Call Me By Your Name when uh, uh, Elio was wearing that Talking Head shirt? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, this... <laughs> This documentary got me into the band, The Talking Heads. I'm obsessed with them now, but mainly this live album. Mm -hmm. Um, Best concert doc movie ever made. It's incredible, but obviously it's mainly for the music. Um, I have it on vinyl now. I have it on Blu-ray. It's, yeah, one of the best pieces of music ever. Mm. Right on. Yeah, you got a record player for Christmas, right? Yep. How was that bad boy? Pretty cool. I got it plugged into my sound bar right oh, now. Yeah. Hey, is that? Uh, I might have the same one. Auto Technica. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one that has it has a uh, like an aux cable jack, right? I don't think so. Really? You have to have it hooked up to speakers. Yeah, it does. You've used it before. Not, didn't we try to use an aux cord for uh, Train to Busan? You mean for my sound bar or for my for sound bar? Hmm? Isn't that what you're talking about? No, I'm or talking about the record, record player because uh, most of them don't have an. Uh, a well, jack has, for that yeah it has like the i don't know what they're called are they called like analog the left and right like <laughs> white and red yeah i know what you're talking about <laughs> so that that connects into my sound bar and i can play it but mm. it's not like you can't just do like oh 
what what would you use an aux cord for? I have a Bluetooth speaker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh Well, it's U there's USB. I don't know. <laughs> that works too. I don't know. I just got it working the other day. I had to get like a extension cord so mm-hmm. it could you know, plug into my soundbar, but it's cool so far. It's been over two years since I've been able to listen to my records. Really? I still haven't bought uh I have some speakers. But the amplifier mm. that it was gifted to me doesn't work. Uh-huh. So and my uh uh my record player doesn't have like a, a built in like preamp. So I either need to get another amplifier that has that in it or I need to get a preamp and it's like a whole thing. Mm. But I haven't been, I've oh, yeah. got a bunch of records and haven't been yeah, able to Yeah, I have to them. Uh, Talking Heads, Stop Making Sense. I have Sorcerer, Thief, In Good Time, original soundtracks. Mm-hmm. And then Chelsea got me the self-titled Metallica album. And then I got... The self-titled uh, one, huh? Yeah. That was a mistake. <laughs> no comment, okay? I'm just going to say thank you for the gift, Chelsea. It was a And I... Uh, oh, yeah. Corbin gave me um, a Neil Young record and then also a Beatles one. I think it's like their greatest hits or something. Sweet. We are living in a yellow submarine. Is that your favorite Beatles song? No. <laughs> I don't I, I don't even think I have a favorite Beatles song. But I'm hyped to listen to the Good Time soundtrack on that. I'm sure you are. I haven't got to yet just because Chelsea's like, wait till I'm not here. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> best Beatles song is I Want to Hold Your Hand, man. It's That's classic. a good one, It's one yeah. of the best pop songs ever written. Yeah. Could agree with that. Anyway. <laughs> I think that's our uh, best of not 2017. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, I think uh, we can make this a short episode. There's a couple of things we what want to talk about right now? before we go. We're like an hour and 10 minutes. Okay. Um, we can talk about a couple of things, though. Uh, I know, Travis, you saw some stuff, so you can talk about a couple of things. The only thing I want to talk about, I haven't really seen much, but I did finally start Rick and Morty uh, <laughs> after... Lots of resistance. Finally, I started watching it. And uh, the show's pretty good. It's funny. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. And I like the whole sci-fi, like, you mm-hmm. know, uh, all the crazy things they do with it, like the interdimensional stuff. And, like, uh, I love the episode where uh, the, the dog becomes, like, self-aware, basically. Like, yeah. he puts the helmet on the dog, <laughs> and the dog, like, enslaves the humans and everything. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, I, the humor does kind of get into family guy territory for me occasionally Mm -hmm. like there's one part where like uh uh morty like breaks his legs and then rick is like hang on i'll be right back and he jumps through a portal and then rick or uh, morty is just laying there like ah ah," for like 30 (laughs) seconds before rick comes back it's like that part where peter griffin like he's like "Ah, (laughs) i fucking hate humor like that um so the, besides those like occasional like moments that don't work for me, I, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I wish Rick and Morty fans weren't so shitty, but now that I've actually started, I'm like, okay, th- this show is pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, that show is dark too. Yeah, it gets really, really disturbing <laughs> later. Speaking of animated shows that are dark, I really want to start watching BoJack Horseman because people yeah I've heard love that show, and apparently yeah. like it. it Gets real dark. Yeah, that's one I want to try and start. In the new I year. feel like I would like that show, but it's just I don't know. There's so much TV. Yeah, man, it's, all the time. And because of it, is I'm just like overwhelmed by the amount of TV there is. I just don't mm. watch it. That's I just time, rewatch yeah. fucking Curb, and it's always sunny episodes. <laughs> like, <laughs> speaking of dark TV, uh, dark I'm watching, watching a dark? lot of 
No, not yet. Have that would have been a good it? segue. I know. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. No, I've been watching a lot of Black Mirror. Oh, yeah. That's another one I need to start soon. Cause yeah. Because the new season just went up, yeah. Oh, so you haven't seen any of it? I've never seen Black Mirror. Okay. I know I would love it. I just... I so I haven't seen it. the very first episode, but everybody says... the pig says fucker to, one. Yeah. Right? Everyone says to skip it. I don't know. Really? Yeah. Well, I think it just turned off a lot of viewers. Yeah, I know it's pretty, like, graphic. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> that show is disturbing. I've seen... I don't think I've seen every episode... But I've seen probably like 75, 80% of them. Uh, they don't leave you on a high note like almost ever. Yeah. <laughs> there are like maybe two episodes that make you feel good afterward. Um, but that's going to be our new uh, Sunday, Sunday show. Sunday show. Nice. After, after, because uh, the new season just came out. So mm-hmm. pretty stoked about that. Um, and we finished Alias Grace. That was a pretty good show too. Yeah, I've heard I've heard some good things. Yeah, is that a British show or? Like... Uh, no, it's set in Canada. Um, Margaret Atwood. It's a Margaret Atwood novel. Um, so she did about? The Handmaid's Tale too. Alias Grace. Never heard of it. It's on Hulu. It's pretty good. Um, maybe it's on Netflix. Sorry, I can't remember. But I don't remember. I know it's a thing though. Anyway, uh, yeah, TV. I did watch a couple movies. I watched Mudbound. I, that's that's it? one I need to catch up with before we do our episode. Yeah. So I didn't love Mudbound, but it's pretty good. I I think I came into it with some preconceived expectations. It's hard to get worked up for a movie that you know is going to be painful to watch. It's the twer- 12 Years a Slave thing. Like, yeah, yeah, but 12 Years a Slave was being like heralded as... Uh, this huge achievement in filmmaking so i could get excited for that you know and it was it was a great movie. it is a great movie yeah. it's yeah. a spectacular film with off the charts performances from at least like two or three people mm-hmm. um and then like django unchained you know you're going into probably some painful stuff but also it's a tarantino film so it's a whole it, there's this whole other thing to it whereas with mudbound you know, I'm not really seeing a lot of Oscar nods for it, but you know it's going to be like an emotional drama. So I think a lot of it was my my preset notions, but then kind of like what you were saying with Call Me By Your Name, the plot sort of meanders. I'm like, well, okay, where are we going exactly? We got a, a few different storylines that we're working through, um, some of which were, were pretty interesting. Uh, it's these two families, one white, one black, and... Uh, both of them had sons who served overseas during World War I, um, or World War II, actually, World War II. And they come back and they develop this unlikely friendship, which is is probably my favorite part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't spoil it for you. But uh, with sort of lack of direction in the plot, you know that something, something really bad and kind of senseless is going to happen. <laughs> And it does. <laughs> and I, I just had a really hard time with it. I, I, I don't know. I couldn't really enjoy the film. Could you see it making Matt or I's top 10? No. Okay. No, definitely not. Um, also, I don't know why Mary J. Blige got a, a Golden Globes nomination for Best Supporting Actress. She, 
she's just stoic the whole film. There know, was like anything. some. Uh, you can't make sense of these nominations. <laughs> yeah, can't. there was a little uproar <laughs> over that because people were like, of all the supporting characters in Mudbound, you pick Mary J. Blige. Like, yeah. I hadn't seen it, but like people were kind of like, what? Like, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't want to make assumptions about it, but with all the uproar last year and the year before, or was it the year before? I can't remember. Talk about the Moonlight stuff every or? year. <laughs> every year about diversity oh, and Oscar, Oscar so white yeah Oscar so white um I think that plays into it but without a, a list of um supporting cast to look at where I could say okay here are some other African-American actresses that performed better you know and then you can challenge it on more than one level sure but sure. uh I heard it has a pretty good bookend um so I was I hated that. Oh, okay. actually, <laughs> I hated it, and I don't want to spoil it for you guys. Yeah, but yeah, if, yeah, yeah. like, you'll watch the last five minutes of the movie, and you can decide whether or not you thought it was bullshit. Okay, <laughs> is that the reaction? Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. I okay. Yeah. <laughs> there are two sides to it. There's like an emotional side and a and then it's and then a, a, I see a film side. Does it feel manipulative? Is that why, like, the way they bookend it, does it feel, like, emotionally manipulative? Yes. Is that why? Okay. Yes, it does. To me, it did. Yeah. I don't know. I can't speak for everybody. Um, I think there are also just, it's so hard to make a movie about the subject matter and treat it properly. Um, and there are so many considerations. So there were arguments made when I voiced my opinion about the ending of the movie that I thought were valid. And again, I don't want to ruin it for you guys, so I won't go into it. But um, yeah, there's a bookend. Okay. Uh, anything else you got, Tom? Mm, oh, that Dana Carvey. Uh, oh, yeah. Documentary. Too, too cool for school or too funny to fail? Too funny to fail. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting. I didn't right? think it was like the best documentary I'd seen. It's not, but... Um, it's missing a couple things maybe. But what an interesting story. Uh, it's also funny to rewatch some of those old sketches because some of them are, are pretty hilarious. It makes you want to watch the show. Right? I know. Yeah, totally. It totally does. Uh, but just to- it's so fascinating, especially I think the world of comedy is interesting because it can be so fickle. It really does feel like there are make or break career moments for comedians who finally hit the big stage and either they crash and burn and they're never seen or heard from again uh so it's so interesting to see all these big names who went through a crash and burn experience but made a huge name for themselves when i was talking about uh this movie uh, i was talking about all like the the famous people who were involved and there was one name that i just like couldn't remember it was charlie kaufman charlie kaufman was a writer on the dana carvey show yeah that's crazy so crazy (laughs) that's how we got to start in show business was writing for the dana carvey show yeah, I think I said, didn't Aaron Sorkin write that? But I was thinking, you meant, it was you, a big name, but it wasn't Aaron Sorkin. Right, it was right. Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. Also, just how huge Dana Carvey was. I had no idea yeah, how big he was. He was like late night TV shows all the time. Covers of magazines. Yeah, like, like he was the star from SNL. And I always thought of him as like... Maybe, <laughs> I don't know, just like second fiddle or something to, yeah, to just to, someone who's a bigger name. Yeah, because I kind of always Farley felt like, or, well, I was, I mean, Mike Myers is the one that I oh, was yeah, Mike to. Myers, because, right. I mean, I don't know, like comparing their stardom to each other during that time, you feel like Mike Myers is a bigger star, especially because he then did like Awesome Powers mm-hmm. and shit, you know. 
But it, I mean, it's Dana Carvey. Like everyone loved that guy. Like, does Dana Carvey we have that skit where he's Jesus and he says, "Oh my dad." What? Oh, maybe. <laughs> you know what I'm about? I don't know. I'm not That's sure. So funny. Because I still say, "Oh my dad." This day. <laughs> he does church lady. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's his. That's his. Uh, his big bit. <laughs> but yeah, too funny to fail. It was good, right? It's uh-huh. Yeah. Anybody who's interested in that world should should watch that documentary. Mm-hmm. My turn. Yep. Is it just my turn now? Mm-hmm. You guys are done. Just you, man. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna fly through a few of these. So, I watched Body Heat from 1981, directed by Lawrence Kasdan, neo noir. You know what I'm talking about? No. I've never heard no. of it. I know Lawrence Kasdan did like the big chill and like Star Wars. So it's Wars basically and shit, but... like a retelling of Double Indemnity, which I've never seen. Yeah, I've um, never seen it either. Double Indemnity very... has got to be one of the most difficult movie title names to say. It's a very Indemnity. hot and steamy movie. Probably. I think it's set in Florida or something like that. And like, so it's literally hot and steamy. It, yeah, no, it's <laughs> like the characters play with that throughout like they're always sweating they're always glistening and just a couple mm. of boiled lobsters glistening. frolicking around so much tension um but basically there's a relationship that forms between like this what's the word for him jeff goldblum i think yeah a lawyer so yeah he's <laughs> he's a lawyer and he um gets involved with this woman who basically wants to kill her husband and then they want to take the money and run or whatever yeah um it's a very good noir movie. Um, very sexy at times, but it doesn't show a lot. Like just the way it's shot, and you know, very promiscuous. Does anybody hang dong? No hanging dong. Shit. But it's good stuff. Mainly the relationship between what's her face, uh, Kathleen Turner and William Hurt. Kathleen Turner, huh? She's a young uh, Kathleen. Turner. Okay, because she got kind of yeah, gnarly yeah. when she got older. <laughs> this was. Came out in eighty one. So. Okay, so it's like the Mickey Rourke syndrome, you know. She's like Mickey pretty... Rourke's in it. Is he really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, what's with that guy's fingernails? Mickey Rourke's what? fingernails? I have no idea. What's with his fingernails? <laughs> have we not discussed this before? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know if anyone. <laughs> what's wrong with his fingernails? They look like claws. Man. Really? His nails are like they're like fused with his fingers. Oh my god! Weird. <laughs> He's yeah. He plays a weird character. It's like a. William Hurt's character needs to go like make a bomb, <laughs> and he goes to Mickey Rourke's character to to make this bomb. He's like, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird, uh, but I liked it. Um, Darkest Hour. The only thing really to talk about, in my opinion, is Oldman. Yeah, his performance. It's kind of boring. It's mostly him just dealing with the whole decision making. You know, are they going to make a deal with Hitler or not? And it's just a lot of like, you know, like courtroom type stuff for him, like dealing with having this much power and making such a big decision. And I mean, it was a, a huge fucking decision in like world history. Right. Right. Probably one of the biggest ones in history. Um, but like, I was kind of disappointed because there wasn't really any like war footage. So it was kind of boring. I mean, it's like mostly just him talking in like back rooms like trying to figure out like the, the in this moment of crisis yeah and it, it just more so like watching him deal with the decisions not necessarily why he makes those decisions um but yeah i mean it's good it's it's kind of what you would expect i guess sure. okay so not not worth catching up with 
No. Or at least not. I mean, yeah, next... you could catch it down the road, but I wouldn't be, you know, Try to cram for that one. No. Okay. Matt, I rewatched Home Alone 2 from back in the day. Please, please tell me. Original is way better. No way, dude. Home Alone tell 2. Tell me why Home Alone 2 is better. It's more heartfelt. It's funnier. What, the, what with the bird lady? The bird lady, yeah, bird <laughs> okay. lady, but bird also lady just like him <laughs> him lost in the city and his mom trying to track him down and she finds him in Rockefeller Square and it's got the big Christmas Christmas tree Christmas Christmas tree. Um and also, like people, people criticize Home Alone two because they think it's like yeah, it's Donald s- Trump in it. No. Well, that too. But people think it's like uh. sick because like the the physical humor is like like Joe Pesci and what's his face get like fucked up. But I think it's yeah. hilarious. Like when he gets like electrocuted in the basement of that house, where he he like grabs like the washing machine, oh, he, yeah. he turns into a skeleton. Like oh, so good. The best part in Home Alone two is. The whole Merry Christmas. Wow, Merry, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking Mike Tyson over here. You guys need to stay away from the word Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. You know, when he's playing on the TV with, yeah, with, like, it, with uh, uh, what's his face. Tim Curry. Yeah. yeah. Him and the That's rest a great of the hotel scene. staff. Yeah. And the stuff with uh, Duncan's toy chest, like he gives him the dove and he gives the dove to the yes, bird lady. Yes, yes. Dude. But it's it's basically a rehash of the first one, and the first one's better because no. it's like set Way in dude. the house. Who gives a fuck? OG. New York City, baby. No. Hmm. Donald Trump's in it for like two seconds, by the way, so it's not. Well, because he stays in like a Trump, a Trump hotel. Yeah. Yeah. You see him like shake someone's hand, and then that's it. Hmm. Do you, when Tim Curry does that like Grinch smile? Yeah. Oh, so good. He would be a good Grinch. Yeah. He should, <laughs> it should have been him instead of Jim Carrey. <laughs> Uh, I watched Lenny Cook, the documentary directed by the Safdie brothers. It's about like the the basketball player who was once ranked higher than like Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James. It's mm. actually a really good documentary in it. I mean, it tells you a story about someone that no one really knows about, even though he was a big deal back in the day. And it gets into the whole like thing. So with the NBA, Tom, you're probably familiar with this. Um, they like made a rule change back in 2006 where if you weren't going to go to college, you'd have to wait a year to enter the NBA draft. Yeah. So this was set before then. And this kind of, it seems like this story kind of set that rule in motion. So Lenny Cook didn't graduate high school, chose to enter the NFL or NBA draft, didn't get selected. He couldn't go back to high school because he was too old to play basketball. And then he couldn't enter college. Yeah, he, he couldn't go to high college. School. Yeah. Well, because he entered the NBA draft. So once you enter the NBA draft, you can't go play college ball. Oh, really? So he was stuck in this weird situation where he basically couldn't go back and couldn't go forward. Yeah. And no one drafted him. And then he just became nothing. Mm. Why did no one draft him if he was like a top like prospect? What What's the story? Uh, so he was... It also deals with him like not having like a father figure or any sort of like guidance because he grew up in like Brooklyn or New Jersey, some ghetto area. And this agent told him, you know, like I got 12 teams contacting me saying they're going to draft you in the first round. But it was, it was like kind of like the, the perfect timing as in the worst timing where the year before he was drafted, like six players in the top 10 were out of high school. And then the next year it was almost like they were making an example out of those players where they didn't draft anyone who didn't go to college like the first, you know, first two rounds or something like that. Mm. So he got just like left in the dust and just became 
forgotten. And he wasn't really that passionate about basketball. So that's kind of where it like plays the other side of the story where people are like, oh, you know, he didn't get drafted because of this reason. But he also wasn't that passionate about it. But that also plays into him not really having like a, you know, some sort of coach or father figure to like push him in the right direction to keep him passionate about it. Because he was always kind of like about the money and he knew he was good. So he but he he basically says, like, I want to play for the team that pays me the most money. Sure. So he was passionate, but not necessarily for the love of the game more so for like i'm gonna make money out of this right yeah so it plays into both aspects but like just some mm. of the choices that the softies make was pretty cool like they use a lot of archival footage and then they like caught up with him and they shoot a lot of like stuff just him with his family or just hang out with his friends what's he doing now use car dealer no but it's <laughs> it's kind of cool like how his story even though it didn't necessarily work out for him he's kind of like an advocate or like the you know, like the example where like he basically goes around telling his story, like you're not, you're not guaranteed to make it. And you know, this is what you have to do in order to make it. Um, but like, there's this scene in the middle of the movie where rather than showing his reaction to the draft, they basically show everyone who's getting drafted and how excited they are. And you just know how shitty he's feeling on the back end, but mm-hmm. you don't get to see any of that. Kind okay. Of stuff. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, this doesn't really spoil it, but, um, they like imposed his older self talking to him, his younger self. So they use like archival footage, but then like new interview footage or like, well, I, I don't know. It's like green screen or special effects or whatever. So like the older self of Lenny cook is talking to the younger self, basically saying like talking to him as if he's like a kid who's, you know, 18 or 19. And he's like, you can't make the same mistakes I did. You can't do this and that and that. And it was actually like really powerful. And, I've never really seen that done. And some people could say it's kind of corny or lame. I was just going to say totally, it sounds kind of corny. I thought it worked. I mean, it was kind of cool to see like a fantastical element in like a, you know, documentary. Sure. Hmm. Well, that's neat. Yeah. Uh, you do know who the greatest basketball player ever drafted out of high school is, right? Kobe Bryant. Yep. Nailed it. <laughs> um, I also watched The Ladies' Man, which is garbage. Not going to get into that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw Molly's game. Jessica Chastain is beautiful in all of her beautiful dresses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought it was good. It wasn't great. I think it had the potential to be great, but I don't think Aaron Sorkin is quite there as a director. I mean, obviously he's there as a writer, but it feels like 21 meets Moneyball. You know, those kind of stories where it's like... yeah. True, a true story that happened that's kind of ridiculous, but then they like dramatize it. But like, oceans, thing, yeah. <laughs> the things that bugged me about it was a lot of the movie was narrated by Jessica Chastain's character. Like, she narrates a lot of what's going on, and there's like this plot between her and her dad, who's played by Kevin Costner, that is kind of in your face, you know, like over the top. And then there's a scene towards the end that like really makes it over the top. And it was pretty long and it felt long. Yeah. Like it's two hours and 20 minutes and it probably could have easily been two hours or an hour, hour 45. And I wouldn't even have noticed. And then Idris Elba's getting a lot of credit for like his big scene that he has. But for me, this was like the first time I've ever really felt it, but I could feel his accent like coming in and out of that scene. So he was like getting real, like, you know, powerful and emotional and loud and, making a ton of points, but you could hear his 
He was slipping in and out because he's. I'm assuming yeah. he has an American accent, right? Yeah, I mean, he has the accent he always has in movies, but then yeah, you could hear his like English accent starting breaking to bleed in and into out. It. So it was like okay. fucking with me the whole scene. <laughs> <laughs> and so that scene, I mean, it was a good scene, but it didn't really resonate as much with me. Um, but yeah, it's good, just not great. Did any of us see that uh, Mountain Between Us movie with no. Idris Elba and Kate Winslet? No, it looked bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. Last one. Okay. Uh, Columbus. I watched that on Hulu yesterday. Good movie. Not, I don't think it's amazing. Does it seem more up my alley? Because that's like toward the top of my list of stuff I want to catch up with. Yeah, you might like it more than me. I mean, I gave it four stars, so I didn't hate it by any means. Um, but it's not another one of those movies where it's a good movie, but just doesn't do anything grand. So the story basically it's set in... Columbus, Indiana, which is known for their like modern like architecture. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> and so there's like some beautiful shots of buildings and like bridges and stuff like that. Um, but the story is basically about this guy goes to Columbus, Indiana to like go see his daddy in a coma. And then he meets up with this girl who basically stays in Columbus to care for her mom, who's like a recovering meth addict. And so they most of the movie is just them having like conversations about life and growing up and their past and all that and like a lot of those scenes are really good it just they're it was missing something to like take it to the next level kind of like call me by your name like the last 15 or 20 minutes just like sets it apart um there wasn't really anything in that it just kind of goes more traditional towards the end of the movie um but yeah i mean it's it's well shot the conversations are interesting between the the main two characters do you kind of get like a like a link later, like before sunrise type thing, where it's just kind of like two characters just kind of like pontificating and walking around, like just yeah, having like conversations that. about but life. It's, it's less of like a romance, and it is just like a friendship. But yeah, I, I would probably compare it to something like that. It's funny that uh, I, I mentioned uh, link later because I just pulled up uh, the director's mm-hmm. name is Koganata. Like yeah. it's just one one word. Uh, he directed uh, Linklater on Cinema and Time, which it looks like is a special feature in the Before trilogy, like the oh. Criterion release. Hmm. Koganada directed that, so it it's funny that I drew that parallel, and it turns out he actually like yeah, he, I I know he has some sort of past <clears throat> where he like he's like studied film for like his career, and now he's deciding to make movies or something like that. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know too much about this guy. But Is this guy Brazilian, or he does like Cobanada. He does like video essays <laughs> about movies or something like that. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I know he he at least studied film in some sort of capacity, and now okay. now he's deciding to make movies. Cool beans. Good stuff. You can check it out on Hulu, Tom, if you're interested. I'm definitely. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. It, it would be a good movie to watch with your wife. Mm. Mm. Okay, one last question I'm going to pose to you guys before we go. Our next episode is going to be our 2017 like blowout. Huge. What are the Huge. movies you really want to try to catch up with in time for year-end deliberations? Question, I can start while you guys are looking. I got a list. Don't worry. You got one? Okay. Well, so <laughs> I'll do mine. Here's so. the order on my list that it's in. <laughs> uh, oh, so Columbus. It's pretty high up there for me. Uh, Hounds of Love. I definitely want to check out. Travis is shaking Skip his it. head, but uh, I want to check out. Was that a Kate Bush out. documentary? <laughs> Kate Bush documentary. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, Tanya comes out in Seattle next weekend, so I'm hoping to catch up with that. Mm. Uh, we're gonna miss the Phantom Thread, it looks like. That's not gonna open until the weekend after we record. Such a shame. Yeah, I'm bummed, because I do really want to see that. It's bullshit. And I do think it could be a contender. There's but... no room on my list for that. Sorry. <laughs> Fuck at her, PTA. Um, no, it could, it could surprise me. I feel like I'm gonna have a really hard time nailing down a top 10 this year. Yeah, I'm already like my whole top ten is just like oh. right now it's kind of in flux. Sorry, real quick, I did watch rewatch Get Out last night. Mm. Still a great movie. It's still going to be my top ten somewhere. Um, not as fun on the second time, and not as fun without like a full crowd, like mm. totally into the movie. Yeah, so mm. that's all I got to say about Get Out. Um, there's another big one I'm I forgetting. Can see that. What the fuck? It's on. I think it's another one on Hulu. Columbus, Hounds of Love. There's like a third person to person fuck is that it's like a 90s comedy well it's set in the 90s but it's got like abby jacobson michael Sarah. it's got the safty i think benny safty huh. the one who's in good time in good time yeah. yeah i don't know uh fuck what's the other well anyway those are the main ones i tanya uh i can't think of the other all shit, the money but... in the world you care to see that mm, not really i'm not going to prioritize it yeah uh tom I rented Brawl in Cell Block 99. Oh, Trying to yeah. watch that. Uh, what is that? The Vince Vaughn movie. From the guy who did Bone Tomahawk. Oh, really? It's kind of it... like a, uh, he's like in a prison complex and he has to mm-hmm. fight his way through the prison to rescue his wife. So it's kind of like, what's that Bruce Lee movie where he like goes up the tower, like fights with like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and no. shit? <laughs> well, and that too. Yeah, kind of. But like that, there's uh, a Bruce Lee movie. Where he like fights hmm. his way up a tower or whatever. So it's like he's in prison and Vince Vaughn is trying to like anyway. Um yeah, he got that on Snowpiercer, I think is what it was called. What? Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, that, I, I would like to catch up with that hmm. too. Um Travis, you said you have a list. What's uh what are you trying well, to catch I'm up with? I'm not gonna list all of them because there's like thirty five or forty nine. <laughs> I won't watch them all. The big I... ones, the heavy hitters, the ones you really want to try and see. That you think so, could maybe make your top 10. Brawl and Cell Block 99 for sure. Uh, I do want to catch up with Song to Song, which is on Amazon Prime right now. Did that come out this year? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, the uh, Malik one, right? Yeah. Okay. Even though I'll probably hate it because I hated Night of Cups, but I'm willing to give it a shot. It's got the gauze in it. And so. the, the fast. Yeah, the gauze and the fast. <laughs> uh, Personal Shopper, which Matt just let me borrow. So oh, I'll yeah. That. I want to see that. Uh, I did want to see this movie called Gook. It's like a black and white, like, urban drama. I've, I've heard some things about that, yeah. But I think I'd have to rent it for, like, full price, so I don't uh, know if I will. Uh, Rat Film, have you heard about that? Yep. It's like a documentary about, like, poverty in Baltimore or yeah, something. I, have. I think that's on Netflix, so I want to watch that. Sure you're not thinking of Rats? Because there's that Morgan Spurlock movie no, called no, Rats. That's I know what you're I talking about. Of. But I think I know this is streaming on a major platform. I'm just not sure which oh, one. Okay. Um, I've heard great things about Faces Places. Yes, me too. But I don't know if I'll be able to watch it before the end of the year. Same. Lucky, same thing with Harry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton, yep. I do want to watch yep. Bright, even though it's getting shit on. Uh, there's this movie called Nocturama on netflix that that is on netflix sounds crazy and looks crazy yeah dude so i, I didn't know it was that. on netflix <laughs> hell yeah nocturama oh uh, uh ingrid goes west that's another one that i want to oh, catch up yeah. with i didn't get to see that <clears throat> um 
I do want to see downsizing, even though it's getting shit on. Yeah, I'm going to pass. Uh, BPM. I've heard great things about that, but I'd probably have to pay full price to watch that. Yeah, yeah. Um, all These Sleepless Nights I've heard good things about. That's on Netflix. I've never heard of that one. I think it's just about like um, people in their 20s, like in, I forget which city. Sounds boring. Are you just going through like your whole fucking list of 35 right now? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, talking the ones you've, you're not going to watch 35 movies in two weeks. The Villainous looks really cool. Have you heard about that? Uh-uh. It's like that? a, I don't know. How to, okay, so it's like a, a female assassin, I think, but it looks nuts. Like the trailer looks something out of like, like Kill Bill Wait, Kick-Ass or something. Crazy. You're not talking about the one with uh, that woman from that one. Okay, no. What's that? Who's that woman from Empire? You're thinking of Proud oh. Mary. Is yeah, that looks, looks That looks awful. Yeah, that does look bad. <laughs> it's all over Hulu right now. Like, I see ads for it all the time. I have heard good things about this movie called Dave Made a Maze. That's on Hulu. It, the plot synopsis is super short. It's a frustrated artist gets lost inside the cardboard fort he builds in his living room. Oh, uh... Brigsby Bear. I want to catch up with that, too. That is really good. I would say that before Angered Goes West. Well, I don't know if, if I'm going to be oh, able to find well, yeah. it anywhere, but yeah. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, it's a lot of like minor stuff. I'm pretty satisfied with my top 10 as of right now. So. Yeah, me too. The Post. Oh, yeah, The Post. Yeah. I, hopefully that'll be playing here before. Tom, you're making a face. You're not interested in... In The Post? Yeah. I think it looks pretty good. I feel like You like it's... Spotlight, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, What's the difference? <laughs> I don't know. It's just... Spielberg, dude. You got to watch it. Oh, God. What was that? Did Spielberg do Bridge of Spies? Yeah, yeah. that movie was great. Dude. I didn't no. see that. It I was love boring, that man. movie. No way. I, I I enjoyed it in the moment, but afterward, I was like, Ugh, I never need to see a movie like yeah, that again. I liked it quite a bit. So, Matt, huh. before the end of the year, do I need to catch up with casting John Bonet or win it all? Win it all. For sure. I mean, I don't think it's gonna like really play a factor yeah, in your year and stuff, but yeah. you will like it. Casting okay. John Mane now. Don't don't worry about it. Because someone named that as their favorite movie of the year. Casting John. Casting John Bonet. Who the fuck did that? It was the girl who does uh, the Canon podcast. I don't know what that. I is. don't know her name, but. Um... Well, never listening to that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was okay. <laughs> Justice League. Boo. You know. No. Boo. <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. Tom, anything that hasn't already been mentioned that you missed? There's some um, movies that Travis and I saw that you didn't get to see, but I can't think of like uh I think I Call I, Me By I, Your Name, you really should try and get Yeah, Call Me By Your Name and maybe Raw are probably the two. Mm-hmm. Um I w- I'm still curious to see Lady Macbeth. Oh yeah, me too. The uh, Guardian uh rated that pretty high on their end of year list. Yeah, I've heard really good things about that. That'd be cool. Um, that's pretty much it for me. There are a few others, but I don't think I'm going to love them. So. Right. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll try to cram in as much as we can. But the next time you hear from us, it's going to be our 2017 blowout. We're going to be doing our top 10 films of the year, honorable mentions. We'll probably get into, you know, best performances, biggest disappointments, worst, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I will say if, anyone would like to write into us and let us know what their personal favorite film of the year was Mm. we did this last year we got a couple submissions we'll read anyone who sends anything in we'll read your responses as we're working through our lists anyone 
anyone. Even if, even if Justice League is your favorite film, we'll fucking read it. Uh, so you can email us at cinephilesdigest at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. Tell us about your favorite movie, how it impacted you. Uh, we'll read it on air. Um, I might also do a few polls on Facebook. So if you're following us on Facebook, keep an eye out for those. Like us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow us on Twitter. We're at Cinephile Digest. Are we going to do Oscar projections? <laughs> projections? Yeah. <laughs> we should place bets. Whoever gets the most trophies wins. Probably when we get closer to... Uh, well, when do they actually announce the Oscar nominations? Is that like end of... Probably. No, they don't do that until like February, right? It's probably I thought the Oscars yeah, were in... February. Aren't they in February? They're in April no, the Oscars are in like, like March, I think. They do it late. The Oscars are pretty late. God, it's like your year-end review. Maybe we'll do that. <laughs> we don't do ours till like April. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, send us an email. Let us know what your favorite film is. Uh, this episode marks a year of doing this podcast. What? what? Every other week for an entire year. We've been doing this. Yeah. Uh, We're machines. Blood, sweat, and tears. Mm, Hell yeah. And dollars. Lots of dollar bills <laughs> going to these films. Lots of uh, McDonald's, uh, yeah. McMuffins. Oh, and, man, and the Rolling Rock. And Low Man, official sponsor oh, yeah. of Cinephiles Digest. Uh, but I, I really do want to thank everyone who listens to our show. Uh, even if nobody listened, we would still do this because it's just fun to hang out and talk about movies. But we really do appreciate everyone who listens to this show. Please tell your friends to listen to us, like us on all of our social media platforms. If you are able to write us a review on iTunes, that will help our visibility as far as coming up in search engines and stuff. So uh, truly, I thank everyone who, who's been listening to our show. Uh, we got some big things planned for uh, 2018. Uh, maybe we'll mix mix things up. Oh, we do. See what we'll do. <laughs> So stay tuned, but I just want to—I want to thank everyone who has stuck with us and listens to us. And, and don't be that guy who doesn't, you know, email in like me. Yeah, I listen to a million podcasts, but I never like reach out to the host and send so, us your bullshit opinions. Yeah, so mock you. Yeah, how terrible we are! Turn to a roast. <laughs> everyone who writes in this fucking guy, hey, Richard no. from New York. Uh, this guy sent his real name in with his. <laughs> stupid ideas follow this guy on twitter blast him <laughs> shit on him uh no we won't do that no judgment whatever your favorite film of the year is we'll talk about it we'll try and weave it in as we're talking about stuff but anyway that's gonna do it for this week thank you everyone for listening we'll be back in a couple weeks everyone have a safe and happy new year bye. happy new year bye let me tell you what I wanna do Let me show you that I fit you Wanna freak, wanna ride with you Wanna taste when I put my lips all over you Can't get enough of you Always aching of you So sweet, I can't forget So good, girl, you make me sweat But I'm talking about bitches and I bike, I bike, I bike <laughs> <laughs> I shit, I shit